right, amen. Good morning, Mission. All right, if you're brand new, uh, my name is Errol McFadden. I'm the lead pastor at Mission. I love this church. Uh, we are far from perfect, but we're close to Jesus. And this series that we're in is actually intended to help all of us, whether you've been a Christian for five minutes or 50 years, or you're contemplating Christianity, to understand what are some of the key components of it. And, and really, what the Purpose Driven Life is all about is it's kind of like a discipleship series. And, and it's, it's kind of coming back to what are the fundamentals of what we're all about. Um, for those of you who have been Christians for a long time, Time. There's lots of stuff in here that you're like, oh yeah, I knew that. But all of us find a way of getting to a point of flatlining in our faith. It's like we, we, we've checked the boxes of what we believe. We check the boxes maybe of showing up at church. But then after a while, we start to see our faith turn into this ritualistic uh, religious type thing that it kind of like just gets dull. And every Christian has experienced that. And so what this is, is kind of like a coming back to the origin starting point of how, why am I created? What am I created for? And, and what am I supposed to do? And so, so far in our series this is what we've gotten to. The first purpose outlines the fact that you were created, you were planned for God's pleasure. Life is not all about you. If you make your life all about you, you're miserable. The people around you are miserable. It's no fun. This is not what you were created for. You were planned for God's pleasure. And that's worship. Second, you're formed for God's family. Christianity is not intended to be done in a silo where it's like, I'm going to have a, my Bible and I'm going to have my prayer life and I'm going to be off like someplace all by myself or it's just going to be me and my family and we're just going to be worshiping Jesus. You're missing out on what you were designed for if you're not plugged into the local church because the local church is a place for you to be around other people who are also growing that you have to impact and be patient with, etc. It's a big deal. You're formed for God's family. Third purpose is created to become like Christ. Like there's salvation, like when you first learn about Jesus and you give your life to him, and then sanctification is like every step after that, following Jesus, becoming more and more like him. And that's what we talked about last week. This week, we're talking about purpose four, which is you were shaped for serving God. You were shaped for serving God. So if you've got your Bibles, if you could open them to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, verses one through eight, your physical Bible, or if you've got a phone, um, you could look up a Bible app and go there. That's awesome. If you're super agile, you can go ahead and like flip on over to Ephesians, which is a little bit further to the right. Um, we're gonna read that as well. Both of these passages are key. Both of them were actually inspired, inspired by the Holy Spirit to the apostle Paul. And so Paul, you're gonna have like um, a framework that Paul's writing both of these to do two different churches. And if you're paying attention, Romans 12, man, we've been like hitting on this, this passage like over and over and over again, like the first two or three verses. But we're going to read all the way to eight. And um, if you're looking for a good book to just understand theology, man, there's lots of great textbooks out there. But the book of Romans is like 16 chapters of, of just abbreviation of what we believe and why we believe it. It's really great. And Romans 12 is like the greatest hits. It's awesome. And so we're going to read the first eight verses of that and then Ephesians. So if you could stand for the reading of God's word. And again, this first passage is written to the church in Rome by the Apostle Paul, writing them on, about how we believe, what we believe, etc. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 begins this way. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Remember, that was that word we talked about a couple weeks back, metamorpho, or that was actually last week, metamorpho. Transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, don't think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but you rather think of yourselves with sober judgment 
in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Verse four, for just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And then in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 to 10, for it's by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. That last passage is so pivotal, and it kind of like cues into what Romans 12, 1 through 8 are, is talking about. It's, it's saying that, look, a lot of people think that in order for God to save me, I've got to be good or I've got to be doing good. If I do good, enough good, if my good outweighs the bad, then God's like, I'm going to save that one. That one's worthy of saving, but that's totally backwards. The Apostle Paul says that if we are going to be saved, we need to recognize our brokenness, that there is no good, but God is good. He forgives us. That, that we, I don't do enough good to get saved. He gives me his good and makes me someone who then has the capacity to start doing good. I now have the capacity, and maybe another way of putting it in the context of today is this. I'm not saved by serving, I'm saved what? For serving. I'm not, like, I don't, if I serve enough, I go to church enough, if I do enough good deeds, God's going to save me. Nope, that's not biblical. What's biblical is God saves you right as you are, just as you are, without any, I mean, in, in your current condition or your worst condition, that's when he saves you. And then he unlocks the level and you get to level up into the reality of I am now saved though for serving. I, I'm saved, to, I'm unlocked to be able to do this. And that's big, that's an important thing. Like you remember Beauty and the Beast? Okay, remember the song, Be Our Guest? Life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving. He's not whole without, oh, come on church. When Disney gets it right, you gotta like acknowledge it, like way to go Disney, way to be biblical. Life is so unnerving for a servant who's not serving, he's not whole without a soul to wait upon. And that's biblical, that's like so right on because the Bible says you are created for service. You're not created to serve yourself. You're not created to make your life about yourself. You're designed to give. You're designed to be someone who pours out. And if you don't, holy smokes, life is so unnerving. For a servant who's not serving, he's not whole without a soul to wait upon. And as much as that is true for Disney, and as much as that is true in God's word, most of us think, I'm not gifted to do that. That's why we hire pastors. Like we hire professional people, like people that can teach the Bible and do all this. It's a minister. And yet in scripture, scripture says that we, if you're a Christian, you're a minister. I don't care if you're a freshman in high school or you're 75 years old, you are a minister if you're a Christian. Now, you know, there may be a pastor that you're following. There may be a missionary that you support, but every Christian is a minister and you have been gifted to do that. That's, that's mind blowing. You've been gifted to do that. And a lot of people think I don't have the gifts 
Or if I do have giftings, <laughs> the giftings I have just don't fit in church. Like outside, I'm killing it. I could do like great stuff out there. But church is where, again, you sit, you sing songs, and then you listen, and then you go. You go out to where you're actually good at stuff. And that couldn't be further from the truth according to scripture, at least according to the passages that we just focused on. Again, let's just look at three through eight. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And then he goes in and says what those are. Now, and the thing is, is, is that within this, we see God's formula. God's math works like this. Number one is diversity. He distributes gifts in a diverse pattern. Wouldn't it have been way more efficient for God to say, okay, if you're a Christian, you get all, whatever, 15 gifts. You got 100% of them. Every Christian that goes to church has 100% of all the spiritual gifts. Wouldn't that have been way more efficient than, okay, I'm gonna give Adam one, I'm gonna give Nate one, I'm gonna give Melissa another. That seems so bonkers backwards. Like, why would God do that? We'll talk about that in just a sec. So he has a diversity of gifts that are distributed. But if he just gives us gifts and that's it, what's the point? Like, that's not jack squat if we're not doing anything with it. So there's intentionality. So if you've got the gift of prophesying, well, prophesy. If, if, you, if you've got the gift of serving, serve. If it's teaching, teach. If it's encouraging, encourage. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's leading, do it diligently. On a, whatever gift, he's saying, if you've got a gifting, man, rock that lane. Stay in it. Do that to all that you can. Don't go like, man, I just wish I was a teacher. If you're not a teacher, that's cool. God's gifted you with spiritual gifts to do something intentionally and faithfully live it out. And so the formula goes like this. God plans to distribute gifts in a diverse way to his people so that they intentionally and faithfully live it out so that we have a unified church. So in Christ we, though many, form what? One body. And each member belongs to all the others. God's math works this way for this product. So all of a sudden you have a church that's not the coolest church. It's not the hippest church. It's not the most cutting edge church. It's the church that is the most healthy, that's reflective of him. Where people, no matter who they are, no matter what their backgrounds are, are finding ways that they're using the stuff that they were like wired to, to do and they're using it for God's glory. And that makes that church an amazing place to go to. But better than that, it makes that church an amazing place to be in the same community. So that if you've got like, 1,500 atheist neighbors, they're like, look, I don't believe anything those Christians believe, but I'm so glad that Mission Bible Church is in our town. Because what's happening there doesn't stay in there. It starts something in them and it goes out. And they're like, all of a sudden there's this weird kind of health that's coming into our community. Health that, that we, can't, we can't quantify, we don't understand it, but it, we know that we're seeing it come out of the people that go to that church. This, this is the formula. Diverse gift receiving from us, intentional and faithful utilization of those by us, and a unified church. Now, Rick Warren, the thing I love about Rick Warren, if, you, if you've been going through the devotions and in small groups and stuff, I'm stoked that you're doing that. This week is phenomenal because what, what he does is he kind of like outlines, okay, what does that look like? How do we do an examination of who we are to figure out what our spiritual gifts are and how we're wired. And he puts it into the acronym of SHAPE. Like again, he's, the whole point, the whole purpose is we're shaped for service. And, and that starts with spiritual gifts. Now this sounds really mysterious and ambiguous maybe to a lot of us, because a lot of us like took like spiritual gifts tests, or maybe if you like were in a class, like take this test and whatever you fill out, we're gonna like tabulate things and we're gonna tell you exactly what the Holy Spirit put inside of you. And I'm like, whoa. 
That's a powerful test. How do they know? Like, what if I cheat on this test? Do I still get what the whole, I mean, like, what if I want that gift? By the way, if you've cheated on a spiritual gifts test, that's messed up. But, but if you, if, honestly, a lot of those, like, I'm like, ah, how do I really know? And the truth is that, that it is ambiguous. But the Bible says this in, in 1 Corinthians 12, 7, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other. Other translations say for the building up of the body. The, the purpose is God doesn't give you a spiritual gift so you feel more spiritual or that you feel more religious. God gives you a spiritual gift so that you actually can impact your local church. That, that's the purpose of the spiritual gifts, that you bring what you have to the table in a way that's unique to you. And again, I love the fact that God doesn't give every single person the same gift or the whole lot of them. And that's by design. Um, in one of the devotions this week, uh, day 30, Warren puts it this way, no single gift is given to everyone. Also, no individual receives all gifts. If you had all of them, you'd have no need for anyone else. And that would defeat one of God's purposes to teach us to depend on each other. If you, if you knew that everyone else at church had all the giftings, then you're like, dude, I, I can phone this one in. I could show up when I want. I could stay home when I want. I don't really have to do much because look, everyone else has got all the same giftings, but that's not how, this, how, how it works. In fact, God has uniquely gifted you with something that if you're, whatever local church body you're a part of, if you're not utilizing that, the church that you belong to is incomplete. Okay, so I kind of dogged uh, spiritual gifts tests. Here's a spiritual gifts test. So I want to encourage you to do this. Uh, in fact, you could take your phone out right now. If you're like, I'm interested to see what these guys have to say about what my spiritual gifts are, this is a free test, okay? And I may be shaky on spiritual gifts test, but I love free. And so gifttest.com, go to that, go on your phone right now. I don't care if you, if you take some sermon time and figure out what your spiritual giftings is, are, but, but listen to this. This, again, this is not inspired by the Holy Spirit. Consider this breadcrumbs, okay? Breadcrumbs on the road to figuring out what your spiritual gifts are, okay? Gifttest.com will help you figure that out. will help you figure out maybe this is what God has wired me with to serve the local body. So it's not just spiritual gifts, though. It's heart. From Deuteronomy on, you see, like, the intentionality of Scripture not to communicate with people. Here, here's the list of things you should believe. Boom, believe it. That's all we're asking. We see God being so intentional about the fact that he wants us to serve him and know him and love him and follow him with all of our what? Heart. That means that God wants something to engage your passions. And for a lot of us, you're like, okay, I became a Christian, but I've got like passions for sports. I've got passion for, for my hobbies. I've got passions for this, that, or the other thing. I guess my passions are just far from God. When you're figuring out your shape, you're recognizing what is it that, that ignites the fire inside of you, that, that excites you to go do something that, that, that you budget time to pour into, and figuring out how you take that and honor God with it. Warren puts it like this on day 30. Don't settle for achieving the good life. Again, that's what a lot of us wrap our heart around. Man, if I earn enough money, I'll be able to retire at this time, or have the, the sweet enough house, or cool toys. I'll be super popular, but whatever. Whatever we like, what our, our American dream idea is, don't settle for achieving the good life because the good life is not good enough. He continues, ultimately, it doesn't satisfy. You can have a lot to live on and still have nothing to live for. Aim instead for the better life, serving God in a way that expresses your heart. Figure out what you'd love to do, 
what God gave you a heart to do and then do it for his glory. Okay, so what is it that you love to do? Some of you in here, like, like you, you've got, like, you, you, you have these hobbies you're just passionate about. And you're like, yeah, that's cool, but that's just not something that you can connect with church. Some of you are, like, athletic. You're all about athletics. You, like, you, like, you pick up balls all about what you're, you do that all the time. Or you find, you walk into any family gathering and you try to figure out some way to be competitive. Just stresses your family out, but you do it. That's just you. These are things that you've been wired with, that your heart is passionate for. Figure out ways that you can use that to connect people, okay? Some of you are hunters. How many of you are hunters and you're like getting ready for a hunting season? Some of you are not here right now because you're hunting. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm not a hunter, okay? I'm, I'm not into, oh, hey, there's Bambi, lock and load. You know, that's, just, that's not me. I'm sorry, Bambi's mom. I, I'm, not, I'm not into that. But, it, but I know so many people in our church who are, and this is what I love watching with hunters, you could have guys walk into a room, and let's just say the guy's like not much of a talker. I'm not talking. And all of a sudden, they pick up on either a logo on a shirt, or they hear a conversation about a guy who's going to go off next weekend hunting, and all of a sudden, oh, my people. And they, there's this gravity, and you see these guys who are initially not super talkative talking a whole lot, and before you know it, a bunch of them are getting together, and they're off in like some tree shooting at nothing, but coming home happy, and like they just think it's awesome. I love that. You know why I love that? Because that is, that it, for a Christian, that is something where that's exactly how God has wired us. You have passions and you can say, oh, it's just all about me. This is just what I do to blow off steam. This is just something I love. No, the truth is God has given you a heart for something. What if you commandeered that for Christ? What if you were able to utilize that in some way, shape or form with bringing God glory? I promise you, when you take your last breath, you will not regret that. That will not be a waste. That will be something that you've been using for his glory, and he's shaped you for it. Spiritual gifts, heart, and abilities. This congregation has tons of different abilities, but so is the Bible. But again, a lot of the abilities we have, we're like, oh yeah, those are great. They're just not our church. Those, that's not church stuff. That's not a ministry thing. And yet, you look in scripture and you see people utilizing gifts for God's glory. This is uh, day 31 in the devotional. Uh, and in scripture, we see artistic ability, architectural ability, baking, boat making, candy making, debating, designing, embalming, embroidering. By the way, it was the first service that I realized that this is alphabetical. That was the first time I realized that. It's like, wow, it's amazing. They put it in order. Designing, embalming, embroidering, engraving, farming, fishing, gardening, loading, leading, not loading, leading, managing, masonry, making music, making weapons, needlework, paintings, planting, philosophizing, machine ability, inventing, carpentry, sailing, selling, being a soldier, tailoring, teaching, writing literature, and poetry. These are all the, these are abilities. And guess what? All of this stuff I've seen in somebody in our congregation. People in our congregation have, you, this is an, one of the things I love when people first come here, a lot of times they're like, oh, wow, this is such a talented church. And I'm like, really? That's cool. I'm glad you say that. I mean, I, I think they're rad, but I, we've been around each other for a long time. I, I, sometimes we forget how gifted you, each of you are. Some of you are artists. Some of you are musicians. If you're a musician, you're like, man, why don't they have a bass player up there or an electric guitar player? You know why? We need someone to step up. And get into the rotation. Are you a musician? Step up. We need you. If, if, you're, if you're someone that's like, well, that's not my thing. I'm more of a math thing. I'm a math person. That's my ability. Well, God bless you. I wish that was me. It's not my brain. It's not how I work. But we need people like that. The church needs every ability you have and skill set is important. I like the differentiation that Warren makes between abilities and spiritual gifts. 
Spiritual gifts are something that God gives you. If you got saved and you were 27, God gave you something at 27 from the Holy Spirit to utilize in the local church. Abilities are things that you could have had at seven. And you've been just like growing up with it, developing it. But not just something that's just for you. Uh, again, a lot of times people use their abilities for like, uh, some people have the ability to, to, to build like connections between people. Some, some people have the ability to make lots of money, but we are kingdom builders. We're not wealth builders. We're not clout builders. We're not popularity builders. We're not estate builders. Not if we want our life to matter most. If we want our life to matter most, we find ways to utilize what we were gifted in with ability and use it. So spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, and personality. I'm not going to talk a whole lot about this, but have you ever noticed in the Bible which personality type God uses the most? The introverts, introverts or extroverts, which one does God use the most of? Neither. In fact, neither introvert or extrovert is in the original Greek. It's nowhere. God's not like, man, I just need someone who's a little more outgoing. Hmm. In fact, you find God calling people who seem to be ill-prepared personality-wise for the thing he's calling them to do. And yet God shows up and does amazing stuff. Your per, you, some of you, like my, my sister Joy, she, like, she goes like bananas about personality tests. Like she gets personality tests and she's like, oh my gosh, the Enneagram, I'm a four or whatever. I don't know. And then that, like, it just annoys everyone around her. And then whatever new personality test comes out, she's like, oh. And then she's like, Errol, what do you think? can you like name off all the personality types of all the siblings in our family? And I'm like, I would, but I'd rather live. And it's just not my thing. And so like, but the thing is, you might be all about that. Because if you see the personality type, you're like, oh, I feel heard. That's so me. I'm not a weirdo. I'm an eight or whatever. I don't know what it is. This is the thing though. That's not on accident. Whatever personality you are, whatever personality type, whether introvert, extrovert, or any of the myriad of the other descriptors for personality, you might look and say, I don't like my personality type. I wish I was a different personality type. Well, guess what? God wired you that way. And it might be Satan who's actually given you all the weak points that come with that or cause you to fixate on all the weak points of your personality type, but God wants to use it. Don't let your personality be an excuse not to be used by God. He wants to use it for his glory and the world's good. Spiritual gifts, heart, abilities, personality, and finally, experiences. Experiences. If you, you, we've got people in this congregation that your experience, every single one of you, if you're a believer, your experience gives you platform to speak in ways that I will never. Your experience. Some of you are, have, have been in the military. Your experience in the military gives you platform others in this congregation do not have. Some of you are mothers, some of you are fathers. You have experiences that others do not have. Some of you are single. And you have, through that experience, experiences others do not have. Some of you are divorced. Some of you have had incredible high points. Some of you have had absolute tragedy after tragedy after tragedy after tragedy. Some of you have, have struggled with, with addiction. Some of you have experienced total victory over addiction. Not a single one of those is wasted. Every single one of those, every loss is not a loss it's bad, it's terrible, it's wicked, it's evil. And God's like, that's not going to be the end of the story and weaves it into something that could actually be good for other people. Some of you in this room, you've experienced tragedy as children 
whether through molestation or, or situations with your parents, you're like, this, there's no way that this could ever be anything but a scar in my life. And then all of a sudden, you run into someone who feels so alone in that, and you share from your heart your own story. And all of a sudden, you brought the healing that others didn't have to that point. The only thing with experiences, though, is that they are only as effective as your willingness to share them. And Christians, we oftentimes think that we need to airbrush this out. And just like, everything's cool. My whole life has been pretty much an uphill climb, spiritually speaking. And we miss out on the fact that, no, it hasn't. I used to love um, Rich Mullins. I still do. Rich Mullins' music. I liked his music. He wrote the, the song Awesome God and uh, Step by Step. But a couple other songs like that that I, I liked. But I loved the dude. Um, actually, after he passed away. He passed away um, in a car accident on the way to a show. Late 90s, early 2000s, I can't remember which. Within a year, his friends put together, like all these like Nashville types uh, that are in the Christian music industry, put together a video of them all just talking about what a great guy Rich Mullins was. My favorite part, and it's actually, it's on YouTube. It's like 50 minutes called The Homeless Man, The Story of Rich Mullins. Check it out, it's awesome. But my favorite part of that whole 50-minute video was, was Brennan Manning, his mentor, Brennan Manning's a guy who um, felt like there's no hope for me as a Christian because look at all the tragedies in my marriage, in my life, in my addictions. And he just went over and over and over again until he realized the grace of God. And the grace of God met him in a powerful way. And he says, you know what? I'm a ragamuffin. I'm the misfit God should have kicked to the curb. And yet his grace overwhelmed me. And he mentored Rich Mullins because Rich Mullins also felt like a ragamuffin, someone who shouldn't belong, certainly not in the Christian industry, and God used him. And in that video, Brendan Manning puts it this way. He says, you know, Rich Mullins, when I think of him, I think about the Thornton Wilder one-act play, The Angel That Troubled the Waters. And, and he described how in this play, there's this, this pool that has healing power and an angel that stirs the waters to keep the healing happening in this, in this mythical story or whatever. And there's this physician who's just dogged by depression, and melancholy, and sadness, and anxiety, and he just wants to be rid of it, so he goes to the pool, goes to the pool to be healed. And as he's about to step into the pool, the angel intercepts him and stops him and says, doctor, draw back. This healing is not for you. The doctor's like, what are you talking about? Do you realize I'm struggling every single day with sadness and melancholy and depression? I need to be healed. No, doctor, draw back. This healing is not for you. I can't go one more day like this, doctor. And he looks him right in the eyes and he says, doctor, without your wounds, where would your power be? It is your melancholy that causes your low voice to tremble into the hearts of men and women. The very angels cannot persuade the blundering and wretched humanity on this earth like one human being broken on the wheels of living. In love's service, only wounded soldiers can serve. And Brendan Manning said that was rich. Shipwrecked, broken on the wheels of life, of living. And yet, he allowed his life to be transparent enough that other people could draw from it the strength to connect with Jesus. At this church, we, we say that we're, we're a community of Christ followers who are committed to being real with God, 
real with each other and real in the world. And the reason we say that is because in this world, humanity gravitates to being fake with God, fake with other Christians, and fake with everybody else. The only way that we get authentic is to be able to share these. We don't walk in here like, oh yeah, all of us have got epic marriages. No, we actually have a thing called re-engage because we say marriage is crazy tough and we want to be honest about it. We're not saying we don't have any addiction issues. We don't have any hurts, habits, or hangups. No, we do. And that's why we have Celebrate Recovery. That's why we have small groups where we can actually be honest and share our, our, authentically share the fact that we struggle. And when we do that, all of a sudden, someone else in the room is like, I am not alone. And Jesus wants me too to draw close to him. Okay, so just three questions to, to finish this all off. How do we roll this all back together? If this is God's strategy, to give us a diverse amount of gifts that we intentionally and faithfully flesh out for the unity of the church, and, and God has shaped each of us uniquely. How do we figure that out? First off, ask this question. Where have I seen fruit in my life that others have confirmed? Okay, not, I know I'm just a wonderful singer because I sing sometimes and my mom said it. Whatever your mom said about you, disregard it, okay? She loves you too much to be honest with you. You, you can't sing. It's okay, but you can't. Where have you actually seen fruit in your life that others have confirmed outside of your mom? That other people have said, man, you know what? Here's the thing. Here, you walk into a room and you talk to people so naturally. That's awesome. Man, when there's like a problem, you've got like a brain that thinks about strategy in a way that other people just don't. Man, you're someone that actually gives incredible advice. Thank you so much. Man, you're someone who you don't talk a lot, but when you talk, what you say is so powerful. Man, you're someone who when you confront somebody, you do it with such love that the person you're confronting feels embraced and they actually want to see a change in their life. Man, you're someone, what is it that you do? Man, you're such a great musician. Man, you, you, you do tech so great. Man, you're so available with your time. You're just looking for opportunities to help out. Where have I seen fruit in my life? And where have other people, have they confirmed it? Second question, where are their needs? At mission and beyond. Because again, how God has shaped you is intended to make an impact here, but not stay here. It's intended to go out. Where, have I, where are their needs at mission and beyond that I could use this I could use this for God's glory and other people's good. Okay, one of the things that we did a couple weeks back, we had these, these um, cards. This is just a tool. This is an instrument. It's what it, it's intended to do is to say, if I want to take the next step at this church, I want this to be my home church. Like there's things on here like, I want to be baptized or I want to like join a small group or something. And you're just intended to go through here and find whatever, whatever is like something that you want to take the next step in. On the backside, it says, join a serve team this year. If you're like, I don't want to be someone who's just benched. I don't want to be someone who's just sitting and receiving. I want to be someone who's using the shape that God's gifted me in for God's glory. Go ahead and check that. Put your name on it. They've got a stack of them at the guest hub. So on your way out, go ahead and fill this out and leave it there. If they run out of these, just get a piece of paper. Write down your name and say, I want to serve and put it there. If you forget how to write, just come up and talk to me and say, Errol, I don't know how, but I want to serve in some way, shape, or form. And we'll figure out a place for you to do that. Last question to ask. Where can I share my experiences for the good of others at mission and beyond? You know, the, the thing is, is that your, God wants to use you. And some of it is just sharing your story. Again, all of us, if you're a Christian, you're a minister. You're a minister. But all of us know what it's like to make an excuse. I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too whatever. 
My favorite part of this whole week's devotions goes like this. If you're not involved in any service or ministry, what excuse have you been using? Abraham was old. Jacob was insecure. Leah was unattractive. Joseph was abused. Moses stuttered. Gideon was poor. Samson was codependent. Rahab was immoral. David had an affair and all kinds of family problems. Elijah was suicidal. Jeremiah was depressed. Jonah was reluctant. Naomi was a widow. John the Baptist was eccentric to say the least. Peter was impulsive and hot-tempered. Martha worried a lot. The Samaritan woman had several failed marriages. Zacchaeus was unpopular. Thomas had doubts. Paul had poor health. And Timothy was timid. That is quite a variety of misfits. But God used each of them in his service. And he will use you too. If you stop making excuses. Let us be a church of action. Let's be a church that's stepping into the purposes that God has crafted us to flesh out. And stop thinking that you aren't someone that that is true of. Because if, if you're in Christ, you are. At the beginning of every fall, we have this thing called the Serve Team Kickoff. We pray over all of our volunteers. I love that day. So cool. Anyone that's doing anything in our church, we pray over them. And then we send them out for the whole year. And then in April, we have this event called the Volunteer Appreciation Dinner where we say, thank you so much for serving at Mission. If you're not serving right now in any way, shape, or form, step into it. Fill out one of those cards. Start. Just <laughs> jump in. Sample something long enough to realize it's not for you and then try something else. Because I would love to see you there in, in April. And for you to say, I'm kind of blown away. I came to receive and receive, but I realized that God wanted me to actually be someone who serves. And that could be your story. Amen? Amen. Let's stand for prayer. Lord Jesus, I love that you don't um, desire for us to be apathetic or lazy or complacent or even so cognizant of our weaknesses that we think that we have invalidated ourselves from service. Lord, I thank you for calling all kinds of people with all kinds of temperaments and skill sets to your service. Lord, I pray that each year we step into a deeper percentage of those who call mission home, full of people who are finding ways to serve you in their own way for your glory and for the good of others. And God, again, I pray that that doesn't stay in here, that it starts in here, but that it goes out and we will give you the thanks and the glory. So in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. God bless. We'll see you next week.